is closed. Good Tuesday afternoon, everyone. Tyler Harridge here with you for today's VRA Investing Podcast. Hope you all had a great day out there. It was a, a bit of an ugly day. I mean, I'm not going to sugarcoat it here. It was an ugly day for our markets today after we had Friday's big reversal. Yesterday, we had solid gains. Uh, today, not so much. But we did get a nice rally once again here into the close. And really, that does make three days in a row of good smart money hours. Even Friday, where we didn't finish positive across the board, we got a strong smart money hour. The Dow rallied some 600 points in about the last 90 minutes of trading on Friday. We saw a good smart money hour yesterday, and we got the same again today. Uh, another 600-point upside swing from the lows of the day for the Dow. Uh, and I'll get to all of that here a bit more in a second. But first, as Kip covered in our midday update today, and if you're not subscribed to our Rumble page, be sure and go check us out there. You can also find our midday updates on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and elsewhere. If you have any questions about that, just let us know. Shoot us an email at support at VRAinsider.com. But the action today really, I mean, began yesterday after Snapchat released worse than expected earnings. And the kicker here was how much they lowered their future guidance, citing uh, companies tightening up their balance sheets, using less for advertising, uh, so really lowering the, the guidance for their advertising revenue. And that comment alone sent not just communication service stocks much lower, but tech stocks much lower as well. The communication services sector hit a 52-week low on the day-to-day -day Snapchat. It was down a massive 43% today. Getting back below its 2017 IPO price. And like I said, it spread elsewhere in the sector as well. Facebook also having a big down day today. Uh, down 7.62%, just barely off of their 52-week low now. Google hit a 52-week low today, down nearly 5%. Amazon, uh, which is about to have a 20-for-1 stock split uh, starting tomorrow. So you'll see a much different price in the Amazon chart tomorrow, but it also hit a 52-week low today. Uh, and finally, Uber also hitting a 52-week low today, down a big 9.38% as well. And that's just, folks, to name a few of some of the big losers on the day today after some of that really negative news. You also had Pinterest down 23%, Roku down 15%, uh, Shopify down over 8%. So these are companies that rely heavily on advertising. So that news from Snapchat certainly sent waves throughout the market. Uh, but as we see it here, as Kip covered as well this morning, we're seeing a big lack of liquidity in our markets right now, whether that's people just not wanting to put their money to work. Uh, one of the bigger issues, though, is since the onset of coronavirus insanity in March of 2020, the Federal Reserve, we talk about this a lot, has become the buyer of first and last resort for this market. And now that the Fed has taken their foot off the gas, uh, just about to start their quantitative, not even just reducing their balance sheet, not even necessarily quantitative tightening to the full extent 
uh, but now that they've begun their rate hike cycle, these effects are really starting to be seen from the market. But what's interesting to me is we've heard for the past two years from Jay Powell and the Fed and major CEOs uh, that our big banks and ma massive financial players are far more solvent than they were in previous crisis of, of similar magnitude here. So whether it was the taper tantrum or going back to the 2008 financial crisis, uh, Jay Powell has referred to them in many times as a source of strength for the U.S. economy. Um, and that seems to be flying in the face of what we're seeing right now in the reverse repo markets. But first, Jamie Dimon, the, you know, the crook CEO of J.P. Morgan Chase, uh, said on Monday, yesterday, that the Fed almost has to do quantitative tightening since there's too much liquidity out there. But as I called him a second ago, this man is a crook. So you have to take what he says with a grain of salt. He is not your friend. In his tenure as CEO of JP Morgan, they have admitted to five criminal felony count offenses by the US Department of Justice. Admitted to them. How this man is still the CEO of one of the largest companies in America is, I mean, should not happen in our country. Uh, but just to give you an example of how little they should be trusted. But again, we do agree to some extent that companies' balance sheets are much more positive than they have been in previous crises. Uh, but with that being the case, why is there so little liquidity in our markets when the Federal Reserve is not, does not have their foot on the gas? What is up with the reverse repos hitting another record high yesterday above $2 trillion for the first time ever? From the outside looking in, I'm not going to say I have all of the answers for this here. There's still so much of this is unfolding. So much of what the Federal Reserve does is behind closed doors and you don't find it out uh, for sometimes years afterwards or as we've seen in the case for the financial crisis, it took more than a decade and we still don't have all of those answers. But I think that it shows us that liquidity is substantially lower than what the Federal Reserve is saying and that's why we've seen this show up in the overnight markets. Uh, it seems likely that liquidity providers have possibly more leverage uh, than maybe even the Federal Reserve expects at this point. Uh, that's certainly possible. But the Fed has one goal and one goal alone right now. They don't care about the dual initiative of maximum employment and inflation. It is just about inflation right now. And this is what we've come to expect, though, in the era of mass financial engineering, uh, is that as the Fed is the buyer of first and last resort, that uh, they have to manipulate the markets to some extent. So the question is, how far are they going to take this rate hike cycle? And the answer seems to be that if we can start to see top line inflation numbers coming down, as many are starting to expect, Ed Hyman and the team of Evercore do fantastic economic research. You've heard Kip and I talk about them many times here. Well, if we start to see that, then the Fed could slow down the pace of their tightening process, could even end it sooner than expected. We're already seeing 
that kind of talk from Fed presidents. Rafael Bostic, the president of the Atlanta Fed, is already calling for caution in future rate hikes, saying that we could go, instead of the 50 basis point rate hikes they've talked about, going down to 25 basis points and a shorter time frame. Yesterday, Fed President James Bullard said that if they can get inflation under control this year by front-loading rate hikes, this, this is humorous to me, <laughs> If they can get inflation under control, they could be looking at rate cuts by 2023. So obviously, he's not a long-term hawk here. Uh, to raise rates to get inflation under control and then go right back to the same policies that cause inflation uh, just seems outrageous to me. It reminded me today, uh, for any of you uh, fans of The Office out there, there's an episode where Dwight Schrute tells Jim that he can raise and lower his blood pressure at will. And so naturally, Jim asks, well, why would you want to raise your blood pressure? And Dwight simply states, so I can lower it. <laughs> that seems to be exactly the approach that the Federal Reserve is taking here. Why would you want to raise rates? Well, of course, so that I can lower them later. <laughs> uh, this fits pretty well with what we've seen over the last 40 years in lower and lower rates, we've been the first that we've seen to make the call that the U.S. is heading the way of Japan and Europe for negative yielding rates. We see that as a little ways off here, but we think that's the future that we've head, we're heading for. We've seen a 40-year pattern of lower highs and lower lows from rates, and we expect that long-term trend to continue. But what you look at what the Fed is doing here, it does make about as much sense as raising your blood pressure so you can lower it. That's how it has to be, though, in the world of financial engineering. And given how much they can manipulate these markets and the credibility of the United States and the U.S. dollar, uh, they can continue this charade for some time. Uh, no one knows when it's going to end. It's a game of musical chairs. Uh, but we all know what's coming on the back end of this cycle from the Fed, and that is lower rates and more quantitative easing. That's the way that we see it here. Uh, but it does seem like broad inflation should be reaching a peak, um, at least to some extent, except for really two important areas. And that is, as we see it, energy and food, which are two scary areas to say it about, right? Um, you, uh, you would like to see it in, in energy and food as well, but at least we get it slightly in some other areas so they can say they've got inflation under control. But that is what we're seeing here, that energy and food prices could have further to inflate. And there was a time, you know, where we wondered whether or not this type of destruction was intentional, right? Were they just playing to the environmentally friendly crowd in order to do this? Um, instead of just wanting to tank the U.S. economy and tank the U.S. consumer and saddle them with debt. Folks, we don't really have that question anymore now, do we? Really? I think most of you out there, and from your feedback, you do see it this way, that this does appear to be intentional. As one example of that, look at the baby formula shortage. And as much as it pains me to say this, because you'd like to... You know, you'd like to think that you, you can look for the best in people, but that just doesn't seem like what we have in our leadership in this country. 
If you look at our allies to the north and the south, Canada and Mexico, from what we're seeing, they don't seem to have this same problem. Reports of people going across the border to buy baby formulas. So why, and same with Europe, they seem to be fully stocked as well. Yeah, you can say supply chain issues here in the US, but why can't we reach out to our supposed allies here for help on this one problem? The fact that they doesn't, I haven't seen anything about that. If I'm wrong, I'm open to being wrong there. But that is our biggest concern is that this does appear to be intentional destruction. But as we've talked about here often, the market is a discounting mechanism. So looking six months out now, five and a half months now, we have the midterms. So if we can start to get that anticipation that we've already seen so much of that a big red wave will occur, then we hopefully we can limit some of the destruction that is taking place. Now you'll still have the Biden administration in the White House, but it greatly limits their ability to implement some of these destructive regulations, destructive laws, destructive uh, tax codes, all kinds of things like that. And then also you would have to think here that if the Democrats have any control at all of what they can do to help boost the U.S. economy, boost the stock market, that now is the time that they will want to try to play that card. You, that you have to imagine that they would love to see a rally in the stock market heading into November to try to help their poll numbers. Even if we have another month or two of this, if they can get a good rally, a uh, three-month rally into the midterms, you know, start to see looking like gas prices are trending lower. Uh, the food shortage crisis they've talked so much about seems to have gotten a little bit under control. And then maybe that could help their chances in the midterms, but we haven't seen that yet. Uh, but of course, uh, as America lovers that we are, we would like to see that from here. So let's take a look at our market action on the day. As I mentioned earlier, it was a good pattern change. Uh, to see a good smart money hour the last three sessions. Again, the Dow rallying some 600 points from the lows of the day in each of those sessions. But not to sugarcoat it here, it certainly has been ugly. The semis getting crushed today. Even with the Dow higher, the transports couldn't rally here. So there's a lot of patterns that we need to see change on top of this. But we did get a little bit of positive here today that we finished much closer to the highs of the day then the lows of the day and the Dow almost finished at its highs of the day up 0.15% to 31,928. We were followed there by the S&P 500 down eight tenths of 1% to 3,941. Next up was the Russell 2000 down one and a half percent to 1,764. And lastly, the Nasdaq down big today, 2.35% to 11,000. 264. But again, that was much better than the 3% plus losses that we saw earlier in the session. But we have held above uh, the recent lows there, at least for today. Looking at our internals on the day, you know, we uh, along with our markets, we finished much better than we were at about midday, but still negative across the board here. We need to see these improve as well. Declining stocks, beating out advancing stocks. Uh, just barely on the NYC actually, but over two to one negative for the NASDAQ. New 52 week highs to lows continue to be ugly as we had a combined roughly 800 stocks hitting 52 week lows today to just under 50 stocks hitting 52 week highs. And lastly, volume coming in just under two to one negative for the NYSE, but almost three to one negative 
for the NASDAQ. Looking at our sectors on the day today, we finished with five out of our 11 S&P 500 sectors higher on the day. Utilities led the way uh, as the 10-year yield continues to fall here down another 3.4% on the day to a, a 2.76. That's actually, and at the lows of the day, actually broke below uh, its recent lows from the end of April. So its lowest levels in a little over a month, looking like it could be breaking down from that uptrend we've seen so much of. Uh, you know, maybe just a shorter term move though. Next up were consumer staples and real estate, which was able to finish higher on the day, but we did see both the housing index and the home builders hit a 52 week low today. That's not what you wanna see from one of our primary leading economic indicators. And like I said, the transports were also down on the day today, not quite to a 52 week low, but right around that. Those are two of our primary indicators uh, we look for here. So we don't like to see that, but we remain bullish on housing in the long term. We don't see this as a 2008 type of scenario for housing where homeowners have extreme leverage. Uh, you know, you've got these crappy uh, mortgage mortgages. These people have adjustable rate mortgages that did so much damage at the time. Um, but regardless, we want to see that pattern change here. And then our final leaders on the day were energy and healthcare. Then our laggards on the day, no surprise, as I mentioned earlier, communication services hitting a 52 week low was our leader to the downside. Uh, it feels weird to say it like that. It was our laggard on the day. There we go. Followed by consumer discretionary. And then no surprise here with the NASDAQ down that tech was down. And the tech sector was down less than the NASDAQ, but the semis were down at big 2.6% on the day. So not what you want to see, but we did hold its recent lows. We were followed there by materials and financials. Finally for today, our VRA commodity watch gold now up a nice nine, uh, nine tenths of 1% uh, to $1,864 an ounce. That makes its fourth close now above its 200 day moving average. Remember, we want to see seven trading days above the 200 day moving average. We also saw uh, the gold miner ETF GDX up a nice bigger one and a half percent. That's what you want to see from this group is the miner, mining stocks outperforming uh, the base metal itself. And we saw a similar action today uh, from energy, which I'll get to here in a second. Silver now up 1.65% to $22.08 an ounce. Copper now down on the day, just over eight tenths of 1% to $4.30 a pound. And oil, as I mentioned, okay, so oil down on the day by about half a percent to $109 a barrel, but XLE, you know, our, our best performing sector on the year uh, was able to hit, I mean, just barely, let's see here, just barely hit a 52 week high at the highs of the day. So it also, that's what you want to see from energy is the producers outperforming the commodity. So good to see for energy as well. Lastly for today, Bitcoin rallying well off its lows as well today it was in the 28,000 28, range earlier in the day. It was negative. We're now up 0.87% to 29,349 a Bitcoin. Folks, that's all that we have time for here today. Please be sure to subscribe to receive our VRA podcast every day at the market close. You can sign up at VRAinsider.com. Click the podcast link at the top and we'd love to have you with us. Thanks again for tuning in. Until next time, we'll see you back here tomorrow for the close.